Do you have random information wasting away in your brain? Share it with me. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and teach me something in the comments, and I'll read it on the show for other people who have information sitting in their brain just wasting away that I could be reading on the show. Also, if you'd like to help us pay our guests and produce the show, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash what's my thesis. Yeah, yeah. I would say I'm definitely most interested in the worthless areas. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to What's My Thesis. I'm your host, Javier Proenza. Every week, my guests and I share the answers we found to the questions we have. Join us as we explore and expand our worldview through research and ask, what's my thesis? And today, my guest is Gwyneth Gilmore. Is that correct? That's correct. correct. Okay. That's correct. I was doing that from memory, so I wasn't 100% sure. Um, Yeah, so uh, we have had some technical difficulties that we won't get into, (laughs) but you've been very patient with with software. This is the second time we schedule recording, so I really want to thank you and let everybody know how uh, tolerant you are of unprofessional behavior. (laughs) I do live in Italy, so... One has oh, to be a bit tolerant of these things. We're going to go for it already, I guess, huh? So, um, yes. is it so first of all, there's a comedian that I saw recently. He's a Roman guy. I forget what his name is on Netflix. He had a special. But it's not the guy Saverio. So, if you're looking for the Italian guys to watch it with subtitles, it's not the guy named Saverio. It's the other uh, Italian. Okay. Okay. Uh, but uh, I am. Um, that was more for the audience. I. Um, but like he was saying that well, you live in Milan, right? And I can hear. I that, do. I can hear the scooters in the background, or is that a full-on April, uh, Aprilia motorcycle? Uh, that was a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. There are uh, Vespas around and uh-huh. bicycles. I'm actually sitting um, sitting outside. I'm eating dinner, um, and so. So yeah, we can hear the cacophony of, of sounds of from the street. So, yes. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I immediately want to ask you about is the stereotype of people in Milan doing a lot of cocaine. Accurate. <laughs> you know, I think that if I were like maybe like actually really, you know, high up in the fashion industry. Like if I was like, if I was like, if basically if I were eating dinner with Donatella Versace right now, yeah, yeah, I would have a much better answer to that question and an accurate answer. But due to the fact that I'm not eating dinner with Donatella Versace, I don't think that I can answer that question. Um, no, in, in, in all seriousness, um, you know, Milan is a, um, very, posh and international city and that's just continuously becoming more diverse more people from the united states and from other parts of europe are coming to milan uh, to live here and to work here 
Um, but one of their uh, main industries is the fashion industry, and this is kind of the hub. Uh-huh. And it's not only just a hub for Italy, it's a, it's a hub internationally for fashion. And wherever you have the fashion industry, I'm sure there are, there is cocaine involved. <laughs> I am sure of that. So there has to be. I just haven't really fully experienced it yet. Well, good um, on you then. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, if I, I might take a more when in, when in Rome attitude, if I was in a city that was that like cocaine centric, that's kind of why I left yes. Miami. No, I'm kidding. I, I definitely, have, no. yeah. I don't want to have a yeah. heart attack in my, uh, approaching forties, but, um, yes. Yes. but yeah, no, I, those cultural things are so hilarious to me. Uh, and I got so many questions about that, but I also acknowledge that you probably have a topic um, but I, I do want to say that I've actually never, I don't think I've ever been in Milan. I've been to a lot of Italy. Um, and I've been in the Lombard Plain, which is the part that is on the other side of the Apennines, which Italy is broken down. Like it's split in half by the Apennines and in the, uh, in, in the central part and in Tuscany, mm-hmm. there's like, mm-hmm. um, there's this, it's, it, it's like the eastern part of the peninsula is really, okay. is not a very like um, fertile area or whatever. I think that's where Siena is. Um, okay, okay. Or Siena is actually in Tuscany. But uh, basically like my whole thing is that what I really like about Italy is that um, the geography and, uh, and the topography are very influential. Like the, I've read books that say, that uh, Florence was always going to be a city there because it is right in the mountain pass that, mm-hmm, that, that mm-hmm. leads. So there's so, sort of this like natural geogra- uh, uh, geological funneling system that happens there. And then you also can't cross the Arno until you get to around Pisa, which is more on the, uh, on the coast. So, right. so that's like, that's why that city is there. And one of the things that I love about the history of the city states is that Florence didn't have its own army that, um, and that, uh, it was sort of like, there was like a, a detente between, uh, Milan and Rome and they didn't really fuck with each other. Like, or they didn't really mm-hmm, fuck with mm-hmm. Florence. Like it was just this like sacred, like intellectual sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> space that mm-hmm, was kind mm-hmm. of left for the arts, uh, mm-hmm, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I just kind of want to set the scene about why I'm excited to talk about you because I fucking love Italy and it's, it's such a crazy place. And it, it makes sense to me that like the center of, uh, of all like, uh, fashion in Italy would be closer to the mainland rather than like in the, uh, at the, t- like in Napoli or <laughs> whatever, or in Calabria. But right. Uh, yeah, right. Although to be noted, well, first of all, I just want to say that um, I'm so excited to hear about why why you love Italy. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just I'm very interested uh, to, to hear, uh, you know, and to to converse with people about why they love this country, because I always learn something new. And it also is a great, a great way to kind of observe <laughs> certain aspects of the country that maybe I should really pay more attention to that I think I should um you know, look into. Um, so I'm excited to hear your opinions about that. 
Yeah, um, and I, and like maybe in the second hour we can start talking about a little bit about like because um, the culture and stuff. I, I definitely want to uh, have the first hour about your topic, but mm-hmm. uh, but that's like I guess we'll hold off until that to to do that because it is really fun and it's such a rich uh, cultural heritage in in like a sense that like. Um, is really hard to conceive of when you're not there, right? Like when you're not standing among things that were propaganda, you know, buildings that were propaganda from a certain time period and, you know, Mm -hmm. like represent, Mm -hmm. like, you know, you you go around Florence and you see all these uh, shields that have the Medici, like the Medici uh, shields or the Medici. um, And, and like, they're basically like this big Italian, like early Italian mafia, <laughs> essentially yeah. trading in favors. Mm-hmm. And you see a lot of this culture. And one of the things that I find fascinating is Italian fascism, which is why the whole podcast starts yes. with an episode on that. But yeah, but it, but it is sort of like this like attempt to uh, bring law to a lawless <laughs> country, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. why fascism mm-hmm. was so popular. But anyway, so that's a teaser for next episode. I, I wanted to ask you what your topic is. Um, and also I want to acknowledge um, that I think that you're a bit of a car buff. Is that, I am. so do you have family that like, uh, ha- it has a foot in, in automotive stuff. Is that what I saw I from do, your Instagram? Actually. Okay. Cause you post, some, you take time to go to like beautiful, uh, Italian car museums and you post those. And then I saw that there might be like a tie in to, um, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Um, so on my father's side, um, my uh, grandfather, uh, he, and actually my great uncle, uh, so actually a lot of people on my dad's side of the family um, were kind of immersed in this fetishized, you know, American car culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that, um, that I have always been fascinated by, uh, Amer- you know, the the fetish the fetishism of uh, of uh, the automobile yeah in within within American culture um, and so anyway my grandfather was obsessed with cars and he also was obsessed with racing car racing and uh-huh. so he actually uh, sponsored A J Foyt in okay. the nineteen seventies and in the nineteen eighties and this is and what kind of racing uh, NASCAR this is A J this is this is um, Indy 500 in Indianapolis. Indi- okay, so there are yes. stock cars. Is that what that is? Yes. Okay, I'm somewhat ignorant, but I know a little bit of the lingo because I worked in experiential marketing for Ford at uh, at races. So <laughs> I've been to oh, NH- wow. NHRA races and uh, and like I was basically giving away trinkets in exchange for people's data. Um, like back in the uh, early 2000s. But yeah, no, that whole culture is fascinating. And it's, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Absolutely. where are you from originally? Uh, are you from Indianapolis? No, no. So my dad's side of the family is, is originally from Kalamazoo, Michigan. And um, I grew up in Ithaca, New York, because uh, after my parents met um, in Chicago, they after they got married, they moved to Ithaca because my mom decided to go to grad school at Cornell University. Okay. And then she, 
proceeded to become a, a teacher at Cornell. So I grew up my entire life. I was born and raised in Ithaca, New York. Okay. A very liberal, really kind of groovy place to grow up with. <laughs> it's a very diverse place. I mean, my neighbors were from Hungary, uh, from Ghana, the Ivory Coast, France, um, India. So, um, yeah, I, I feel really, really grateful that I was able to grow up in that kind of kind of intellectually curious and um, very welcoming community. Yeah. So, yeah. But back to cars just really quick because yeah, yeah, yeah. Italy has a huge... A huge passion absolutely uh, yeah. for for cars and for speed um uh yeah i think those pictures you were looking at were from the lamborghini museum which yeah. for me was one of the most incredible experiences that i've had to date when it comes to cars um i was with my school uh, bocconi university and we took uh, a bunch of mba students um uh to get a private tour of the facility where every single Lamborghini is made. And so what? basically in this one, it, no, literally like it was mind blowing. Like every single Lamborghini that is shipped all over the world, like uh -huh. global, globally is made in this one factory. And wow. we got a tour of, of the factory and of the workers basically creating using carbon fiber molding onto the car and creating the Lamborghini, which is one of the most beautiful works of art I've ever seen. Yeah. And every single, um, car that they make is from an order that is placed. There is no, I mean, anytime they're, they, they make a Lamborghini, it's because somebody already paid for it and they, yeah, they yeah. already customized it. They've, they've made got like the a order. waiting so list. I'm, I mean, I don't, they didn't mention the waiting list or anything, but I'm oh. sure I mean, I'm sure if, if you pay, you can probably get whatever you want to a certain degree. <laughs> um, yeah. And, but, and but, yeah, yeah, that shit gets crazy too. Like, uh, I know that, uh, there's like, a the Ferrari has the Scuderia, uh, one where it's like, you're only invited to buy one if you've or if you already own a Ferrari. So mm -hmm, that shit gets mm -hmm. a little crazy. Um, and it's, yeah. it's kind of interesting. I wonder if like, cause they're owned by Audi right now. Right. Or, or is that not the case anymore? I don't know. Anyway, we, we, car talk with Javier Proenza. I'm sure all the artists are fascinated with the de details of ownership yes. of like what company yes. owes what. But uh, yes. no, I, yes. do, I do. I do. Um, that is another cultural thing. Like motorcycles and cars, they just get a lot yeah. of love over there. And like, it's like over here, when you see someone in a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, you're like, ah, oh, kind of a douchey thing. But like over yeah, there, it's yeah. like, you know, oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> Cause they're like flaunting, like the beautiful, the, like, you know, it, they're driving art around rather than like, it's, it's, it is a status symbol, but it's, it's not as gauche mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. status symbol, I guess. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. But absolutely. And it actually relates to my main topic as well. Okay. I feel, um, um, so, uh, you know, just one last, one last piece about the, um, uh, the kind of the emotions, uh, surrounded around, uh, uh for, um, Lamborghini. Uh, uh -huh. I, I spoke with the CFO of, of Lamborghini at this, uh, tour and something he, he, he said really struck me. He said, we sell, ex we sell an experience. Yeah. We sell an experience. We, you know, uh, it's the feeling that you get when you're driving our car. Yeah. And, um, I think that it's really, really important to kind of give honor to what 
speed, like when you are in a vehicle or, you know, that is going incredibly fast and you're in control of that, or maybe if you're in the passenger seat, you're not in control, kind of what that feels like in the, within the human body, um, kind of this lack of control. And also at the same time, this sense of exhilaration and and this sense of freedom. (laughs) And it's this sense of freedom because, um, we are no longer bound by the, the sense of speed that our own body, that our corporeal reality can give us, we are now allotting that responsibility to a Lamborghini. Yeah, and yeah. we're saying, okay, Lamborghini, you give me what speed should feel like because I can only run a certain, you know, a certain speed within this body. And I want to use your mechanics to give me that next level of, 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 of feeling. Yeah. Um, and so I want to dovetail into my main topic, which is what is freedom now? Okay. And it's a really, it's a really like broad topic. So I'm going to break it up a little bit because I think that it's a little bit difficult to, to express. Um, it's one of my favorite topics. I, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I have some insights to add to it too, because uh, I, I, I have a specific way of thinking about freedom, which is mm-hmm, the Isaiah mm-hmm. Berlin way, which is the negative mm-hmm. and positive freedom. I don't know if that ties in at all. Uh, I do want to uh, just say about the Lamborghini experiences also that like there is something that I'm picking up. Uh, first of all, from from you is is that like you've definitely been in a car where someone know, that knows how to drive <laughs> is driving mm-hmm. it. If if not, I mean I I've done no, that I experience. Have, sure. I I'm I'm actually assuming that you're not the driver, which is bad because you probably in the family you grew up with you might have been. But I did have like uh, racer friends, and I can relate to that experience of just being like, holy shit! Like um, <laughs> mm-hmm, I've lost mm-hmm. a little bit of mus- muscle control and. And I bet if you're driving and you have that feeling of going like zero to 60, the closest, mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you know, like, I don't know if you've ever been on the uh, Brocken roller coaster at um, MGM, but uh, I haven't, I haven't. Oh, but that, sh- that shit goes like zero to 60. And it's like, you just like lose control <laughs> of your body. You like your body, you, you become jello a little bit because of the G yes, forces. <laughs> yes. Yes. So I can totally. Absolutely. And then the other thing I wanted to say is that. Uh, and if you can maybe move to somewhere that's a little less windy, because uh, we are getting oh, a little bit uh, okay. a crosswind on the yes, microphone. Yes, I can. Um, yes, I can. No worries. Uh, but um, I'm going to move inside. Cool. Yeah, I don't mind the other noises. There was someone whistling that made me crack up earlier. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that okay. is totally Italy, where it's like some random... You don't walk in L.A. near people that are just randomly going... Whistling, but the other thing is that like living in a place like uh, Italy, especially because there's so much, like I think during the futurist period, there was uh, one of the things that influences that fascist impulse is that like having the technology (laughs) that to go that fast or to you know to live like a modern life. Uh, which is what mm-hmm, uh, uh, mm-hmm. Marinetti writes about in, in the uh, Futures okay. Manifesto. He writes about, like, uh, the car as this raging beast and this romanticization of it. Like, it's really interesting because that, like, you feel that when you're over there, you know? Like, because mm-hmm, especially mm-hmm. in Rome, where it's like, it's 
you know, four different cities stacked up, up, upon each other. And they, it, like, whenever they uh, try to build a new metro line, they always, like, find new shit that they need to uncover. And so they're like, okay, this mm-hmm, has become mm-hmm. a, a historical dig. It's no longer a dig for the, the, the new subway line. And we have to, like, reroute it. So it's crazy. Like, just the, I think about how, like, in LA, we, ha- we have, we struggle with, like, everything. <laughs> and just, like, yeah. the concerns that the city has are so that that cities in Italy have are so different and like the power of people to strike and whatnot anyway so uh your topic is freedom which is very exciting because I think it's also pretty topical uh in terms of definitely definitely yeah I mean um by the way just just let me know if the wind is still a problem no no it's Um, fine it's it sounds great right now it does okay and it was just for a second it was it wasn't okay Okay. it's, it's not been a huge issue Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, anytime that we use just a word like freedom and, and also considering that you and I are both, um, Americans, um, that word has, that, that word is, is a part of the, the propaganda of the American dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so being American, you know, when you hear the word freedom, there, there are certain connotations that come along with that. And then obviously, uh, you know, the, the history of slavery in, in our country, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to dig into that, that part of freedom because that's not the way that I am, that I am discussing the word. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, but I'm also acknowledging that there are those political cultural aspects to the word just yeah, inherently yeah, yeah. within American culture. Um, I'm mostly talking about creative freedom and I'm talking okay. about allowing oneself to really be free to express themselves right now in our current political climate, in our current global climate. And what does that look like? What is being free like right now? And I'm also really addressing technology. I'm addressing um, our use of our uh, smartphones and our devices. And one of the main reasons why I wanted to bring up this topic is something that has been so incredible uh, about, you know, uh, Italy versus the United States is that no one is on their cell phone here. Yeah. The only time people are using their phone is when they're having a conversation and then they hang up. Wow. Uh, you never, you never see people here who are Italian at dinner with people just scrolling on their phone. You never, ever see that. Wow. And, um... Just there, there is a almost like um, feeling of disdain for for doing that. It's it, there is so much reverence for communication, and there's reverence for being with the people who are who are joining you in this present moment. Wow. And I feel that that is that is freedom in many many ways. And this is something that I feel is gradually being lost. Uh-huh. in American culture because our culture is the one that birthed the iPhone. It, yeah, yeah. it birthed, um, you know, these, these social technologies. Um, so that's, that is a little bit of a piece. It's not so much my emphasis, but it's a piece of it. Uh-huh. My other main emphasis is, um, uh, I don't, I, I don't want to get into the philosophy of freedom because I don't really want to have like an academic debate and, um, about, about what that means. I really just want to talk about from a creative 
artistic perspective, um, what, what can freedom really do for us now? Is, is freedom important? And what freedoms do we feel are being taken away creatively from us? Yeah. Um, as, as people, uh, that, that have a desire to create, um, and then also, is it even, my last question about freedom is, is it even fully possible to be completely creatively free? And what does that even look like? Are we even capable of that? And that is a bit philosophical, but um, these well, are I mean, just the main points. Freedom is philosophical. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, but I, I guess I just was saying, like, I didn't want to, like, just start referencing, you know, <laughs> all of the different philosophers that have, have kind of digested freedom and, and its meaning because it's like, I kind of just wanted a more personal account yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of, of these things. Um, so anyway, that's kind of just what I was thinking about. Um, yeah. Well, the, the, I mean, in terms of debating, like I, I, I wouldn't worry about that. The only thing like my input on, in terms of freedom, which is where I'm at. And it, since we're going to be talking about it in a broader, like, um, well, it's specifically how about creativity, um, one of the things that I find, have found helpful for me to define, uh, to depoliticize freedom as a concept mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. me and make it less about left versus right is the idea yeah. of, um, of freedom being uh, something that has changed in, in definition throughout time. For example, Definitely. like the, and, and so there's the, uh, Isaiah Berlin uh, who talks about um, freedom uh, like he, he has a thing called two concepts of liberty. It's like a, a, a piece that he wrote or it was a speech and then it became a pamphlet or something. But, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but what he says is that there's positive freedom, which is things like, uh, healthcare and things like, um, uh, things that are less concerned with who governs you and more concerned with what your, what, what, you are provided with to free you up from starvation and things like that. So that's yes. not necessary, but that, but here's the thing, that's not necessarily a socialist idea and we'll get mm -hmm. to, to mm -hmm. why in a second. The mm -hmm. other, the other concept is this more American concept, which is a very modern one because it's tied into the concept of, um, of privacy, right? Like, uh, and, and this yes. is like, we don't have to get into abortion, but just to use it as a, as a, an, an example is uh, is that ha just crystallized for me recently is I was watching someone talking about the situation in um, it, that's happening in the U.S. Right? Like, I mean, we don't need to go into detail, but obviously there's an assault on abortion rights, and so this right, person yeah. was was saying specifically that um, you know my body and I should have agency over my body. And they were saying that Biden in, the, in 1974 was saying he thought that she, that a woman shouldn't have sole proprietorship of her body. But even that idea of a woman having the right to protect her body is somewhat, and I, I am all for it. <laughs> I'm not, but, Same. but, yeah. but it is, Obviously. it is a, uh, a very modern way of, cause like in the middle ages or whatever, I mean, those were concepts that didn't exist. And back then what Isaiah Berlin says is like, we may laugh at the idea that people believed in the divine right of Kings. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. that is something that people actually believed in. Right. And, and, you mm -hmm. know, shit like prima nocta. So positive freedom, I would say, comes more from 
monarchic systems, right? Like where, mm-hmm, where, where mm-hmm. there's a monarchy and people uh, fight within that structure to have a better life and freedom is defined by that. And whereas over here in the U.S., it's very much a uh, don't fuck with me. The freedom to have, uh, what's it called? You know, all, the space to do whatever the fuck I want and don't, you know, and don't encroach on my space. It's very much mm-hmm. about not being interfered with, which why. Mm-hmm. And I think that that probably comes from the fact that when this country was formed, there were wide open spaces, <laughs> whereas yes, in, in, in exactly. other places, you know, so one of the things that I would contribute to this conversation, especially since we're going to go back to speaking specifically about creativity, is like even the concept of what like uh, what you're like we are still trapped within the paradigm like there is it's impossible to have complete freedom from the era in which you were in uh, exist in kind of thing you get what i'm saying like um absolutely like our 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 sense of freedom is defined by our a a lot of things and i'm sure that even right now in this global uh, geopolitical situation the people in other countries do not agree (laughs) with what we think of as freedom and as americans who believe in not fucking with other people we don't necessarily respect other people's freedoms so that's Mm -hmm. i guess the extent of my political uh but uh, whoa the one thing i would say is that it's the same thing it's the same concept of freedom it's not necessarily the same moral thing, but as gun rights, like people having uh, the desire to not have their guns taken away. That's another thing of like, I do not want to be encroached upon. So in this weird way, even though one is on the left and one is on the right, they share a similar conception of freedom, which is a modern one, which is like also in the Middle Ages, like you couldn't just have weapons. That's why the right to bear arms yes. was a thing. You couldn't have fucking swords unless you were, uh, uh, you know, gentry. So it's interesting as like as a concept and we don't have to get into that's like, you know, I've done a whole episode on that. But as a concept, it just fascinates me the way that we think about it and the way that we politicize it and, and make it moral. But we don't really even think of it as like freedom as a concept of what freedom is in essence rather than uh yeah moralizing it every time yeah we turn it into a paradox i mean <clears throat> yeah absolutely especially in, in especially in regards to um the the mass uh slaughter yes. of of americans that is currently going on which is something that has been so deeply disturbing to me of uh, and that, I don't, that americans I mean, are are perpe- per- uh, perpetrating right not of yes, america yeah okay yes. yeah yeah Sorry, yes, just I'm, wanted to clarify about, the way you said that. Oh, because totally, the Americans totally. aren't getting slaughtered, but they are doing the slaughtering, is what you meant. That's exactly what I meant. Okay, yeah, sorry. <clears throat> yeah, no, no problem. And I'm talking about, <clears throat> you know, the the incredible gun violence that's been going on in um, in many different parts of the United States forever. Yeah. That hasn't been acknowledged in the way that it should, especially Chicago. I lived in Chicago for six years, and um, obviously, I mean, I don't know what the what the death toll has been this year, but I remember when I was living there, um, it was, it was just increasing the, the, the violence, um, on the South side, et cetera. And now it has, um, the, the, the culture has continued to kind of morph into this very violent, aggressive culture, um, in ways that, you know, are now like these, these lone rangers, um, that are basically that haven't been supported by the system that have mental mental health issues or have other issues. And because our system is so broken, 
um, and for a variety of other reasons, um, including gun laws, there there is like people are getting murdered, you know, at school. Yeah, they're getting, no, you know, it's and up. it's just absolutely a paradox that we are so programmed, you know, from the from the um, uh, from the very beginning, you know, when you whether you come to the United States, you know, when you're a teenager or whether you're you're born here, whatever your situation is, there is definitely a very strong propaganda around the word freedom and that you are in the most free country in the world, oh, and, yeah. which is, which is just <laughs> bullshit. Like, I'm sorry. Like it's total bullshit. It's not. And, um, that's what people are challenging right now. Like politicians are trying yeah. to even pretend. Yeah. I, the debates were funny to just see everybody try to be Bernie. And then he was just like, no, I'm Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, but you, yes. you know, and if you want, if we want to go on that, like, I mean, I think that there is this sort of like rationalization that happens that I, even I'm victim to, which is like, hey, um, you know, if the world is going to end soon, um, I may want to have access to my own guns because <laughs> if we're going to yeah. be protecting the fucking food that we grow so that other people don't take it and shit like that, like... It, I mean, dude, the fucking homelessness in this city is ridiculous. I don't even want to quote numbers. More than SF? I, uh, the numbers just came out recently, and they were staggering. Yeah. And they were worse. Yeah. People expected them to be bad, and they were worse. I think it was like 10 people a day go homeless. Uh, don't quote me on that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but just the gist. Yeah, the, the gist is like, is, it's fucking yeah. serious, and, yeah. and and you see it. So, like, is that freedom? <laughs> right. You know, and then, right. and then there's like, there you was... You know how many homeless people I've seen in Italy? Uh, probably not that many. I've seen two. Really? In my entire experience here, and I've lived here now cumulatively nine months. Wow. I've seen two homeless people. So you're teaching out there? No, I'm actually in grad school right now. Okay, you're in grad school. Yeah. Man, yeah. I was just hoping you were already settled in with a visa and that you didn't have to come back because, like, at least you got away. <laughs> oh, my gosh, you know? I mean, like, luckily so far, excuse me, um, luckily so far in my life, um, I, I have... Um, been able to really manifest the things that I want and I've been able to make them happen. Uh -huh. And I don't really see, I don't really see myself ever moving back to the United States. Like yeah. I, and I know that it's, I know that that's a definite possibility that I, that I won't just because I know now after you live, after you live um, in another European country and you get to know other uh, people from other countries and how what they do and you, you meet other, um, Americans or you meet, uh, you know, people from all over the world that are living in Milan and also want to stay here. You kind of just learn how to make that happen. Um, yeah. and I really don't see myself ever moving back to the United States because even when I was a child, I never felt, I never felt a part of the culture. I always felt so critical and so introspective yeah. about the propaganda that we are fed and also just the way that the culture is, how competitive we all are with each other, how self-critical we are about our income, the way that we compare ourselves to others. It's really toxic. And um, I just like the lifestyle in, in Milan. Um, yeah. I really like how it's so social uh, people really deeply care about each other. Uh, everyone has a, a real reverence for other people. Like, for example, um, where I'm eating dinner right now, 
there's an ATM that's just adjacent to the restaurant where I had left my, uh, my iPhone. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this Italian guy found my iPhone at the ATM and just sat outside of the ATM for one hour and t- just waiting to see if I would come back and, and get my phone. Oh, shit. He also, he also texted my friends on WhatsApp to say, Hey, um, I have this person's phone. Can you find a way to, to yeah, reach yeah. out to her an email or something? And, uh, yeah. So it's just this feeling that, uh, is so different than the U S but that, how many times have you been groped over there? Not once, but oh, okay. I'm in Milan. I mean, Milan. Um, Florence is pretty bad. I don't think Rome is as bad. I haven't. You know what? I don't know. Like I, I've never experienced that in Italy. Really? Um, never. Maybe they've never. grown since the the early aughts. I I've never experienced that. I mean, I have gotten more catcalling on the south side of Chicago. Really? Than I have for sure. Sh- Amazing. I'm proud of them. Dude, I root for Italy to be better every day. So I'm happy to hear that. (laughs) But I will say, and I don't, I don't know if I I don't know if I necessarily want to go down this, this route of like, you know, the, you know, unpacking catcalling and unpacking like an argument for and an art and a counter argument against. But like, um, I will say I had a really beautiful experience in Milan. Um, I was going out uh, to meet my friends for an aperitivo. And I had spent some time to make myself, you know, uh, basically I, I had style, you know, like I took some time to really have style when uh-huh. I came out and I really paid attention to what I was wearing and whatever, et cetera. And I, I walk out of my apartment, it's around 8 PM in the evening. And this elderly Italian gentleman who's probably 75, he just stops. Like I'm, I'm, I'm just walking towards him and he's just taking a stroll on the street with his cane. He just stops and he just bows to me with his cane. He just mm-hmm. bows. <laughs> then that's all he that's did. So and then sweet. he smiled. And really it was one of the most beautiful uh, moments that yeah. I've had. I mean, it was almost, it was very chivalrous in a way. It oh, wasn't calling. It was just kind of like, yeah. So that was really beautiful. Um, and that's really the only experience that I've had, but I haven't traveled extensively in Italy yet. So, well, I'm not a woman, so I, 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 my experiences were very, so I can't really speak to that. I just know that, uh, they have a reputation. I don't mean to perpetuate it. Uh, and I do remember that like when I was in, in, uh, school, there was like (laughs) in, in, uh, a study abroad program in Florence, there was definitely a sense that like, not, I don't think women ever felt unsafe, but that it was like, a mm-hmm. little bit like guys were kind of always hitting on them, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but that also yeah. has to do with the size of the city and shit. Like, I mean, Florence is like densely packed. So, uh, yeah. it, it, you probably a lot easier to grow people. I don't mean to cast aspersions on, uh, <laughs> people from Florence, but, um, you know, I actually was groped. The only time I've ever been groped was actually in Japan okay. uh, on the subway, on the subway. That rings uh, a little true from what I know, not to cast aspersions again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, uh, it's really interesting. Just also the psychology, you know, behind catcalling, the psych- culturally behind it, how every culture is different, how, you know, certain expressions of, of masculinity and dominance are considered to be, you know, sexually uh, appealing 
for some women, whereas for probably the majority of women, it's really seen as annoying. And in, yeah, yeah. And in many ways, it is seen as uh, frustrating that you cannot just be a woman with woman parts and just just do your life and go out on the street and run some errands without, you know, being uh, somebody, you know, yeah. some yeah, being sexualized, right, by the male gaze and, and all of that sort of thing. So yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe it's because I'm an Aquarius moon, but I always see the pros <laughs> and the cons of absolutely everything. Um, but yeah, I haven't no, yeah. really experienced that yet, but I, I have experienced, um, you know, major differences, you know, in dating and in um, just the Italian uh, way of life in terms of sexuality and the way that people uh, express themselves, um, which is been so far really, really different, obviously, from mm -hmm. the United States. Then again, I will say I really am not an expert. Even if I had lived here for 20 years, I wouldn't be an expert. I think that it's one of those yeah, things yeah. where like, I'm just I'm in Milan. I'm a student and I haven't really I mean, I've traveled to a few places within Italy, but um, my my main experience is pretty isolated to Milan area, to Lombardy area, yeah. which from what my Italian friends tell me is a very, very specific uh, yeah, no, I don't. Almost non-Italian city, so. Well, it's so far yeah. up north, and and and, yeah. and like and as the weather gets worse, the people tend to be a little bit more, uh, in especially in Europe in general, they tend to be a little bit more indoorsy and introspective. -y, whereas like the yeah. Romans are like, let's yeah. go out and fucking conquer, which yeah, I think yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. informed a little bit of my uh, personality growing up, but. Uh, but yeah, I want to get back yeah, I can to the only imagine. I, I want to get back to the creativity side, uh, 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 creative freedom. So, mm -hmm. you know, it, we definitely have a perspective as to what your experience is like, and 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 we know that you're Aquarius Moon. What's your main sign? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my main sign is Aries. Okay, so no, but I I appreciate. I, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily unhealthy to not try to see every side of things. Um, So I'm I'm all on board. I think that might even be like the company motto here. At What's my thesis? But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I can get down yeah. with that. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So so how do you feel? What what do you feel specifically? Like what are your first thoughts that you could introduce us to? Your thoughts on uh, creative freedom and and what. Like, is it limitations that worry you? Is it, is it the fact, is it where it's taking place, uh, specifically on Instagram and shit like that? Or, um, I guess I'll just start by saying that, um, you know, I'll just give a little bit of my personal experience surrounding this topic and maybe, maybe listeners can relate to this. Maybe if they can't relate, maybe it still interests them. And then we can kind of just expand you know, off of this, but, um, I wanted to bring up this topic, uh, because it's something I've been thinking about really strongly for the past year and a half. Um, I went to art school at the school of the art Institute of Chicago, okay. uh, and I graduated in 2015. And after, <clears throat> after graduating, I, I didn't have any desire to make art because I had been uh, fervently making art nonstop. For this was your BFA? My BFA. Yeah. Same Z's uh, for me. Yep. Yep. So go on, go and, on. Yeah. So, uh, I just, I felt tapped out. I felt like, um, I have, I had overexerted 
my myself to to a certain degree and that really I needed to experience uh, my thoughts about other things within the life experience that weren't related to art in order to make art again. Yeah. Because I had only really been, you know, reading Hegel, talking about it, then going to the painting studio, um, then reading Kant, then talking about it, then going to the sculpture studio, only hanging out really with artists. And it, it was this bubble of intellectualism that just, I needed a break from it. And, um, did you find that it also made it hard to make art? Like, uh, yes, it did. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it did. And I actually have a quote. Go ahead. I have a quote about that from my, one of my favorite professors. Um, he told, he told us when we were graduating, he said that there's, there's two, two ways to look at, you know, getting an undergraduate degree in fine arts. You know, you know that you've succeeded if you're less critical of art afterwards, if you're more critical of everything that is, that is being created, then you need to reevaluate your intellectual uh, process and you need to reevaluate um, what you have really learned. And, you, and so basically he was saying that being open and being more accepting of, of certain um, uh, you know, works that exist, you know, what we, what we would call in art school, like bad art Yeah, yeah. and kind of just, um, being introspective about that, that is, that that is existing within the body, within the framework, just as much as, uh, artwork that, that we idolize yeah, yeah, yeah. and artwork and, and artists that we idolize and that we are so just thrown by, like, for example, um, for the Venice Biennale, I actually was on the, um, <clears throat> I was on the, the water taxi and, um, I don't know if you know Boy Child, but he, uh, he's an incredible artist that I really am inspired by. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like, he's, he's a bit of a, like, I, I guess art celebrity in, in many ways, in my mind. I mean, we all have our own art celebrities because it's, it's a very personal thing. Um, but anyway, I'm on the water taxi in Venice and the Venice Biennale, you know, uh, was opening, you know, and he gets on same water taxi as me uh-huh. with this other girl. And, uh, I just said, Hey, like I just started talking to him and he was really nice and he was really cool. And, uh, it, um, it reminded me of this kind of, um, this process that can happen when we go to art school or, or if we're just artists that are really interested in, um, in the culture and in, and in the art world. Um, by that you mean like reading art forum and, and stuff like that or, or less, uh, involved. I mean like, or involved uh, in your own scene. I guess like basically my, the point, the reason I framed it that way is I don't, I believe that you can totally, I mean, um, there are people that went to art school and make art. There are people that didn't go to art school and make art. And it's like, I wanted to include the whole group because basically anyone that is thinking, thinking and creating and reading and involved in the scene, like 
they are a part of this. You know, it doesn't yeah, yeah, matter yeah. if you went to school for it or not. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for validating my existence. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, totally. <laughs> and for I mean, and for approving of the best my artists in the world never went to to art school. Well, so. I mean, I went to art school, but I didn't go to grad school. So, but, uh, and also thank you for approving of my yokel approach to every art is valid. <laughs> Absolutely. That's in my mind. Yeah. I mean, art in my definition is, uh, something that an artist has claimed is art. Yeah. And we cannot say if someone is, I mean, yeah, it's not, we do not have the power to say this is art or this is not. If an artist, if someone that claims they are an artist and cre- creates something and says this is art that I made, then it is. It's, it yeah. just is. It's, so, that's, and but, that's kind of the end of the But do you agree that, that it's up for debate if it's successful, but you can't disqualify it as art? Is that what you're saying? Or are you also saying that just because you have an education doesn't mean you understand it? Um, I think that some art... Um, well, first of all, like there, so there's this like, there's this like popular word of like, you know, using the word like successful is, is it, you know, and, um, well, so I, well I I, that, I, let me define what I mean by success, uh, successful art, successful art being that it communicates something that you can kind of take away from it, uh, rather than, um, someone exp- saying that something's in a piece that's not there. Like for mm-hmm. the easiest mm-hmm. example would be like, like, uh, someone who I would say is not properly trained in speaking of photography would say there's a story behind the photograph th- this picture and i'm like no there's equivocally not a, a story behind the picture but right. i wouldn't say that it's not uh, you know like because just because of the mechanics of the of the you know like i guess what what i'm saying is that it doesn't sound like you're saying all art is Im- uh is immediately considered good art but you can't disqualify like for example for me the idea of outsider art is bullshit Right. Because it's just art. Right. Yeah, but it's yeah, totally like I, I it's um, it's 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 uh, objective or it's objective like uh, agreement as to whether it is effective doesn't make it not art if it's absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually that's we can we could have a whole nother uh, session on outsider art because I studied outsider art as part of my um, thesis in school. Um, what, can you define so really what interested. people mean by outsider art? Just art brute, uh, art brute, art brute, uh, art brute. So basically, um, I mean, outsider art is, is basically just a certain kind of art that was discovered at a certain time by a certain person that classified it as that, but it is still just, uh, you know, it is still art just, just like any other art, whereas yeah, yeah, yeah. there are certain people that feel that it's not. But in my opinion, it's just as much within the art uh, canon as uh, arte povera, you know, uh, or or postmodernism or, or modernism. Yeah. I mean, there's so much material in 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 output that that has happened already and that also is currently happening. And I think that these labels that we have created you know, are really helpful to just kind of in the understanding of what was going on historically during that time when it, when it did happen. And it gives a bit of context, but I don't put too much emphasis on, on like when we, when we like, just from a a, a language perspective, like think about what outsider art means. I don't take it literally. It's kind of just like, okay, this was art that was created by people that um, most some of them were in uh, asylums and had mental 
uh, illnesses like schizophrenia or et cetera that made it impossible for them to live a normal life. You know, some of these artists uh, were children, some with disability, uh, certain intellectual disabilities. Uh, some of these artists were addicts. Um, but to me, none of that, I mean, what what the, the output is still art. Um, so wait, it's let just me the add, context. So you seem to know more about way more about this than I do, or you definitely do. Um, so it's a move. It's a it's a movement. Outsider art is a movement from yeah, a certain period. It's a move- so it's not yeah. something that's still happening. Um, that's a good question. Okay, no, because I, think I, that just, it is. I, I just thought it was mm-hmm. like a way of classifying, like, oh, this is outsider art because it's not part of like the broader art conversation. I didn't realize. Let that me it, yeah, let yeah, me just yeah. put it to you this way: so outsider art uh, is a movement. Okay. Because it ha- uh, it it's a movement that's a bit strange because it wasn't necessarily a movement that was dictated by the artists themselves. Yeah. yeah. It was mostly, it was dictated by someone that was collecting this work and recognized it as, you know, this very profound work that wasn't being circulated in the normal way that art was circulated. Wow. I didn't know that. So whereas other art movements, it would, you know, have been kind of classified by the artists themselves. Like we are this, and this is our group, and this is what we do. You know, just like Andy Warhol was like, okay, this is me, this is what I'm doing, this is my club of people, and I make these films, and this is like what I'm doing. It wasn't really like that. It was more like these people didn't have even have access to to that kind of, uh, they didn't have the voice to really express Mm. it. They didn't have the language to express that, but they were creating really incredible works that needed to be shown. They needed to be acknowledged in their own right. Cool. And uh, so that is absolutely still happening. In fact, I find my, I call my dad uh, an outsider artist. Okay. Um, Yeah. And and I call him an outsider artist because he fits within that, that paradigm of someone that, um, oh, and by the way, just so you know, like another definition of outsider artist, someone that wasn't classically trained in art, which again, doesn't mean they're not making art. It just, whatever. So, um, my dad didn't go to art school and he was a businessman his whole life. And then he's now 65 and he discovered that he loves to draw and he has now created a hand drawn children's book series and has published it. Cool. And good for him. That's I'm happy to hear a businessman making, (laughs) finding himself in a, a, you know, I, I, I think everybody should find their artist. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited for him. Yes. Yes. So you know, um, I I kind of would classify him as a is a bit of an outsider artist. Um, okay. So then the, I take back that what I said about outsider art being bullshit. I what I meant is like just calling someone outside of the scene because they don't fit the parameters, I think is bullshit. Uh, I, and I agree I, with you yeah, for sure. But I think actually I, I, I'm, you've turned me around on the term outsider art by informing me about what it actually means. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah. mean, I mean, I when also there's like, I won't, uh, you know, spout wrong opinions anymore on that. Any- <laughs> oh, no, no. I mean, you're not you're not wrong at all. In fact, the, the more we are wrong, usually the more intelligent we become. So it's uh, <laughs> it's really better that way anyway. Um, uh, yes. Yeah. So. So anyway, um, let me get back to answering your question. Um, I was sharing a personal account or I was beginning to share a personal account Sorry. as as to why why over the past year and a half I have been interested in this notion of freedom creatively. And I was, I was talking about how after I graduated art school, I really didn't want to make art at all. 
Um, and then you had asked me, well, was that because, you know, you were a bit afraid because you had just received so much information and, and really had a very, you know, in-depth, comprehensive understanding of the criticism that one could receive from the work that they're creating. Yeah. Um, I would say that that's partly true, mm-hmm. but I also think that I had to just start living. Uh, yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, art school is such a weird experience on so many levels. It's like, I don't know. I just, I just needed a break. So I didn't make anything for a while. And then I got into this, uh, serious relationship that lasted for five years and we got engaged, we were going to get married and then we, um, we broke up. And as a woman in, in this relationship, I had kind of just left my create my my creative self on the shelf and I had kind of taken over this very motherly role in the relationship of cooking and cleaning and kind of taking care of of certain uh aspects that were traditionally seen as more feminine Mm -hmm. and um I really lost I lost this part of myself even though I had studied it intensely you know and I went to school for it and most of my friends are artists and whatever it's like I lost that no, and I, after I, we broke, go yeah. ahead. Oh no, no, no! I was just gonna say I lost it. It really like. And after you broke go, up. After we broke up, um, well, first of all, before we broke up, <laughs> uh, a few months before we broke up, I started to dance and I started to record myself dancing and I posted it on my Instagram. It's no longer on my Instagram, but it used to be. Uh-huh. And. Um, I see myself creatively as a dancer before becoming a painter, before becoming a sculptor or a filmmaker or whatever, I, whatever the hell it is that I'm doing. I really feel like a dancer inside. And uh-huh. I know that some people really don't like to ever classify themselves in any medium or have any, any uh, attachment, and that's fine. But for me, I feel really attached to, to, to naming myself as a dancer. Yeah. Um, so anyway, before we broke up, I started to go out on our roof. I was living in Boulder, Colorado at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just, just basically turning on like Jay Dilla or ninth wonder instrumentals and just dancing to it. And, uh, that for me was a really, really free moment. And that's when I realized how unfree I was. Yeah, totally. Um, are you familiar at all with, uh, past guests of the show, uh, Laura Hyun Ji Kim? She also... It does a lot of dance-based, uh, movement-based stuff, which is interesting. It, like, because this, it's kind of out of my reality. I know how to dance salsa, and that's about it. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and I can bob my head to hip hop like anybody. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I I do can I can totally, and I think that there's a lot of things that like because uh, I've also had people on the show talk about, you know. Uh, embodiment practices and Ashtanga yoga and just like um, very uh, moving through space as a form of expression which is fascinating to me um, first of all because it's uh, so performance based and like even my performances are are performances that I like set up mechanically and leave to (laughs) you know like I don't really Mm -hmm. I I, but um, but yeah so like uh so when you was this a thing at all for you when you were in uh, in grad in in sorry at not grad school in your undergrad 
did you were you self aware about this, or was this like a, a moment where you just realized like, oh, this is important, and this is how I get back to it? Because I have I, I, my experience was somewhat similar, where um, I actually started trying to do stand up. And then I realized, wow. yeah, that's how I wow. started to get back into it. And I was, and like, look at me now, <laughs> but, um, yeah. but, yeah. but, you know, sort of the, and, and then just realizing how much like even odd, just radio and, and all of that has had an influence on me growing up. But then I, I did sort of just realize it's like, well, the reason that I am an artist is because I find this fucking world hilarious and I, it's, I'm kind of laughing at it and, and the irony and the ridiculousness of it. Uh, I mean, I'm maybe giving myself too much credit, but that's what I strive to do. Um, (laughs) but, um, but so for me, uh, so I can totally understand that, like finding that like one thing that you, you're like, oh shit. And then, so like, I remember, and I was doing fine. I did like, uh, four open mics. I mean, this was a very limited run before I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I'm an artist, you know? Cause it was right when podcasting was becoming a thing. And like all the podcasts were pretty much comedy podcasts. It was before NPR really got into it and started mm-hmm, releasing their mm-hmm. own shit. So it was a very rebellious, like kind of, um, unprofessional even which is what appealed mm-hmm. to me uh but but then mm-hmm. just realizing like wow i spent so much of my life training to be an artist and i'm really mm-hmm. just looking for like a creative outlet and then that's mm-hmm. when i started to, like i literally picked up all my projects where i left them off and mm-hmm. <laughs> and did and and mm-hmm. started making shit again so did you immediately start making stuff or did you already or, or like i said did you know this about yourself um, totally, were... totally. Okay. Yes. Th- um, and that's a really great question, by the way, because, uh, you know, it's always, it's always really interesting to hear whether or not an individual like has discovered something new about themselves creatively. Yeah. And it was kind of this epiphany moment, or if it's something that has been, that has been a part of their lives for a very long time and they just had been neglecting it. In yeah. my case, it was something that I have I had known about myself ever since I was a child. So you were a raver um, at one point. Is this am I? Is it, is I'll that, say that again. Were you a raver at some point? No, I've only uh, been to one rave, and uh, that was in Kansas City. I thought we were family, dude. <laughs> uh, but I I am very pro. <laughs> I'm pro rave. I just haven't had enough <laughs> opportunity. I'm very, like very pro rave. I just I've only had one rave experience that it was still incredible. It was in this like broken down huge warehouse in Kansas city oh, with my art awesome. school friends. And yeah. it was absolutely amazing. Um, and there was more cocaine being done there than <laughs> I've seen in Milan. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I have always known that I am a dancer. Even when I was a child, I, the way that I respond to music is just really profound and okay. I respond to it through movement and so in my opinion, that's what a dancer does. They, pers- they, they respond to, to, to sound, uh, through movement. And, and that's what, what ki- I have always loved to do. What kind of, really, what like, kind of music did you grow up with that made you move? Was it like classic rock? Was it, I'm trying to get a sense. That's why I, asked I grew about up raverness. listening to, well, my mom is a professional trained musician and she plays the piano and she's a soprano. Dope. And so she is very musically gifted and capable. And she 
loves classical music, but she also loves Sting. She loves Steely Dan, <laughs> much to my much to my chagrin. I hate Steely Dan. I'm sorry for any Steely Dan fans out there. Yeah, I'm not. Um, the, Steely Dan is not for me either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So she loves the Police, and anyway. Um, but she also loves funk, and my dad also loves funk music. Right. So I actually really grew up listening to this mixture of classical, classic rock from my father mostly, and then so much funk music. So like, I mean, we're talking like the majority of the music I grew up listening to was funk. It was very, very percussive, uh-huh. very movement, very, very happy. Like the vibes were just super fun and positive and my whole family we would all just dance cool. all the time in the kitchen and so I grew up with a very percussive understanding of of how music should feel you know yeah yeah in the body and so for me like for example I was just at this dance class uh, this modern dance class the other day in Milan and they were playing uh different types of music and she put on this one song that was extremely pers- percussive and I just was like okay I'm this is this is me like I'm ready to (laughs) I'm really into it you know it was great and um yeah so so I knew this about myself but um because I knew because it was such a truth for me because I knew so intrinsically that this was really my my most pure uh form of expression it was also what terrified me the most Uh uh-huh in, in, um, in the sense of making you feel vulnerable and exposed or terrified you how? Yeah, because it was the ultimate vulnerability. It was the ultimate exposure because I connected with it so much. Mm-hmm. And um, also because I had very high standards <laughs> for myself. And... Uh, what artist has ever experienced that? <laughs> yeah, right? I know, right? It's like, oh my God, if my therapist hears that one more time. Um, yeah, so so yeah, you know, I, I had really, really high standards for the way that I was moving. And again, I'm an Aquarius moon, so I'm all about <laughs> like just ground, like, like I'm all about groundbreaking discovery. Like okay. I'm all about what haven't we seen before? What haven't we experienced before? And let's, let's do it and let's break down the boundaries. Let's create a novel and exciting to, and profound experience. You're trying to blow your own mind. It sounds like that's, yeah, the, so that's what Aquarius I, moon is. If I ever hear someone say that again, <laughs> I'll know what they mean. <laughs> may, I, you know, maybe, maybe, but for the most part, for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. You probably, let me just put it to you this way. You probably like in the rave community already know a lot of Aquarius moons <laughs> um, <laughs> without even realizing it. <laughs> I think I even went um, to a rave called Aquarius moon. Yeah. You know, there you go. You know? It's like, that totally makes sense to me. Um, yeah. That's yeah, fucking so, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just one of those, it's one of those things where I had these high standards for myself Mm -hmm. because I knew what I, like, I knew when I saw other dancers, you know, other geniuses like perform their movement, I was so just so touched by it and so, so changed by it. And so that's like, 
and, yeah, and is I had this really a, high standards. So is I was this like, specifically <laughs> like uh, you're looking at uh, what kind of dancers, like ballet dancers, modern tap? What, uh, all of it. All of it. All so anytime you saw anybody that could just own whatever style they were doing, that's what... Completely. That, okay. Completely. Um, but I would say mostly I was interested in uh, modern dance um, and also hip-hop and house dance. House dancing. Um yeah. So hip hop, house, and modern, all of that together. Okay. Um, yeah. What is modern yeah. dance? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so sorry, what, knew- sorry you, you didn't hear me. What is modern dance uh, specifically? Oh, God. I feel like I shouldn't be the one to answer that okay, question. Okay, then just go. Forget it. So uh, they, they, people okay, can Google okay. it. I'll Google it. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. That's another thing about Italy. You never hear anyone say, okay, Google, or, okay, or uh, Alexa. You never hear it. Like, yeah. Before I left, before I left to come to this grad program, um, I was hanging out with my friends in Ithaca. And every, it's like every time you go to their house, doesn't matter which friend group you're visiting. It's like, Alexa, play, you know, that whatever, sounds Seely unex- Dan. <laughs> that sounds entirely unacceptable to me. I would not. I don't. I don't experience that. <laughs> I'm really happy you don't experience I, no, that, and I, I hope you never experience. I that. don't have uh, that social circle. I don't know that anybody here in LA is like rolling in it enough to be like, I need a fucking speaker in my house that I can just say, "Hey, buy me some shit." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I think that yeah. that maybe I don't know what the rent is like in Ithaca, but we have <laughs> serious homelessness problems here. Uh, but yeah, no, totally. Yeah, it, like yeah, it's so it's uh, very expensive to live out here, apparently. What's my thesis is produced by Javier Proenza, who is talking in the third person. Reach out at what's my thesis at gmail and follow us on all social media at what's my thesis. Don't forget to review and subscribe. And if you donate to our Patreon, this is where I'll give you a shout out and make up what kind of art you make based entirely on your name and nothing else.